Our scripture reading for today is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. In that King James Version, it says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this congregation that indeed has gathered together in your name. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your word preached and the opportunity to apply that word in our lives each and every day. Thank you, God, for the great salvation that you have brought to us and the reasons that we have to congregate together and to enjoy fellowship with one another as we worship you. We pray, God, that our worship to you would be pleasing and acceptable in all that we do and say and think in all the days of our life. We ask it in your son's name. Amen. I've been told by well-meaning individuals that sometimes my sense of humor is not as sophisticated as it, as it should be, as it might be. There are times where I think things are funny. Turns out, only other juvenile delinquents think that they're funny. <laughs> um, so, those of you who have been kind enough to point this out to me, um, I just want you to know that I think, it's, I think uh, you're trying to help and I think it's working. Um, because this week, I was tempted. I was very strongly tempted. Because it, maybe you heard as Rick was reading the, uh, the calls to action in our verses. Um, the, the three main points of today's sermon. Um, did you see him? Verse 22, let us draw near. 23, let us hold fast. 24, let us consider how to stir up one another. Let us, let us, let us. I was going to call the three, I was going to call the sermon three pieces of lettuce. I thought it was an epic idea. I was, I was helped. I was, I was discouraged from this. So I just want you to see, I, th- I think, I think there's been a mile, there's been a victory this week. I think I'm, I think I'm becoming more sophisticated. So now we just have three exhortations. Boring old exhortations. What is an exhortation? It's basically a piece of lettuce. No, an exhortation is, an exhortation is a strong encouragement. It's what the, it's what the author of Hebrews is doing. And he's, he's actually bringing himself into it. He's saying, let us. He's not saying, do this. He's saying, let us do this. Let us do this. So the, the, the author of Hebrews has himself right in there with 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 everyone else, let us let us do this. So so if someone is giving you an ex- exhortation, if they're exhorting you, they are strongly, passionately urging you to do something. It's a strong encouragement. It's not it's not necessarily a gentle encouragement, 
It's, it's a, a strong encouragement. So we have three of those this morning. Three exhortations. And those are the main points of our sermon. So I'm going to go through them one by one. This first one is going to take a, is going to take a little while. Hold, hold with me, okay? The first one is probably the longest one. First exhortation, number one. Since we have Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart. Since we have Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart. So, so far, the the book of Hebrews has been, the author of Hebrews has been, in a deliberate, detailed way, he has been telling us who Jesus is and why he is better than anyone or anything else. The author of Hebrews has compared him to the, to the angels, uh, to other, to kings, to priests, to the law, to sacrifices, to the tabernacle. He has compared him and compared him and compared him and has pointed out to us over and over and over again, Jesus is superior. He is better. If you have Jesus, then this is what you have. Here's what you have if you have Jesus. And now he's going to, in verses 19 through 21, he's going to sum it up really nicely. He says, he says, therefore, brothers, and then he's going to say, here's a couple of things we have. If we have Christ, here's what we have. He says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, the author of Hebrews is saying, here's what we have, brothers. Brothers and sisters, here's what we have. We have, if we have Jesus, we have confidence to enter the very presence of God. We have an all-access pass. We can speak directly to God anytime we want. And this is because this is what Christ has given us by His blood, through His flesh. So He kind of compares, in sort of a weird analogy, He compares the flesh of Jesus, the, the body, the, the death of Jesus, to the curtain. He's saying we, we enter Kind of like you would enter through the curtain into the presence of God. We enter through the death of Jesus into the presence of God. Through the, through the death on the cross where He spilled His blood for us. By the blood of Jesus, we now have all access passed to God. He has washed us clean. He's washed us clean. Christ, Christ has died for us and He was raised and now He intercedes for us. He represents us before the Father. This is what we have if we have Christ. And then he says, since all this is true, since everything we've said so far is true, the the 10 chapters and 21 verses of, of Hebrews, since all of that is true, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Since we have Christ let us draw near with a true heart. That's our first exhortation. And so what we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, because this is a very common exhortation, right? The things I'm about to say are very common things. And so it's important for us to, to ask ourselves, are we actually doing this? Not do we all agree that we should, but are we actually doing this? Are we drawing near to God? Are we drawing near to God? 
So what does that look like? What does it look like to draw near to God? I think it means a lot of things. It means, of course, that we pray to Him for help. We pray to Him for strength and comfort. Are you doing this? Do you, do you on a daily basis, turn to God for strength, for comfort, for help, for wisdom? Are you, are you praying to God often? Are you drawing near to God? It, it also means that we take time to consider who He is. And then we praise Him for who He is. We, we think about His attributes. We think about His character. We think about His goodness to us through the Gospel. We, we think about who He is and we thank Him for it. We, we do this when we sing. We can, when we sing privately or, or publicly. We, we do this when we pray privately or publicly. Sure, we've heard this stuff before. Sure, we, we agree we need to do it. But are we doing it? Are we reading His Word expectantly? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you commit yourself to, to reading the Word of God on a regular basis and, 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 and reading it expectantly, going into His Word, knowing that, that by His grace, He's going to teach us by His Spirit, that we're going to learn something or we're going to be reminded of something. We're going to be comforted or convicted or helped or maybe all three. His Spirit is going to teach us as we draw near to Him in His Word. To draw near to God means to, to, to express our love to Him, to, to enjoy Him, to be, to, to be overjoyed and to be comforted just by His, His, His nature and His character and His love for us. It means we live more and more aware of Him, aware that we are living perpetually before the face of God. We think of Him often. We pray to Him often. We learn from His Word by His Spirit often. We, we draw near to God. And then it says we do this with a true heart. With a true heart. In full assurance of faith. We, I, we're, and we're going we're gonna to get into the, to, to, to why this is so important. Or one of the reasons why it's so important in a minute. But, but for now, we, we need to understand. We need to remember that we need to be people who are wholeheartedly committed to honoring God. That we are all in. That we are convictional people. And here's where it starts. It starts with how we draw near to Him. We draw near to Him with a clean conscience. We, we draw near to Him knowing that Jesus Christ has paid for every single one of our sins. This is my... Um, so if you're, if you're newish here, then you're going to get used to hearing me, this is my soapbox. This is one of my soapboxes, all right? This is just one of those things that is, um, it's, a, it's a combination of being incredibly important and, and almost non-existent in the modern church. Like the, the modern church doesn't do this at all, and we should be doing it all the time. And so since, since that great, like, dis- discrepancy is, is always in my head. I talk about this a lot. And so, if you've heard it before, I'm not sorry. I'd rather say it too much than not enough. The gospel has to be explicit. When, when we, we, we have to say the, the words of it. We, we need to talk and think and sing about sin. Like, our problem is our sin. 
Our problem is that apart from Christ, we are condemned to hell for our sin. That's what we deserved before Christ. We deserved hell. We were unclean, guilty before God. We, no one talks about that anymore. We try to, we try to feel God's love with, without ever considering the fact that we were sinners. We want to talk about God's love as if it's just there, He's kind of helping us out emotionally, or He's helping us get through hard days, or He's doing this or doing that, which is good. Yeah, we should. But it is in the context of the fact, it is the context that, that we were sinners. We were guilty before Him. We were on our way to hell. And then Christ died for us. And the Spirit made us alive. So when you're praying, you thank God for that. And if we're ever singing songs in our church service, and every, you hear us sing our four songs, and we never talk about the fact that we were guilty sinful and guilty before God and we needed His grace on the cross the blood of Jesus. If you don't hear that in one, in, in, in you, we go a whole church service without hearing that, then just don't come back. I mean, let me know why you're not coming back. But don't come back. You need to hear about the cross. You need to pray about the cross. You need to thank God for the cross. You need to encourage each other in the cross. Because if we don't have that, then 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 we're going to be Trust me, we're going to be half-hearted about God. Because who cares? If God is just another one of our buddies who's just nice to us and helps us get through hard times, we can take Him or leave Him. But if He is the holy God of the universe and we deserve His wrath and instead we got Jesus... So you're never going to know the holiness of God. You're going to never the grace of God unless we are just explicit about the cross. Let's say the words. We are guilty in our sins before God and Christ died for us and has washed us clean. Now God remembers our sins no more. We went from hopeless because of our own rebellion to having our sins remembered no more. If, you, if, if you're not obsessed with that, you will always be half-hearted with God. We won't draw near to Him the way we should. We won't receive the joy we should. We won't receive the comfort that we should. We won't learn from His Word the way we should. We won't know Him and love Him the way we should. A clean conscience, a, 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 just a, 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 an honest wrestling with the fact that we were sinful and now we are clean. We're not downplaying either one of them. That's where you have joyful confidence before God. That's how you draw near to Him. So, since we have Jesus, let's draw near to God with a true heart. That's our first exhortation. Our second exhortation. Since we have Jesus, let's hold fast the confession of our hope. Verse 23. And yes, this is not a super creative outline. I understand that. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. I wrote this sermon myself. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who promised is faithful. So here's what people who belong to Jesus, here's what we must do. Here's what we will do and here's what we must do. We keep believing. We hold fast to the confession of our hope. And so hope in the New Testament is all about the future. It's about what Christ will do. What has he promised to do? Is he faithful? Will he do it? Yes. Jesus is going to come back. He is going to make all things new. He's going to personally make sure that those who have rejected him are punished forever. And he is going to make sure that he's going to personally make sure that all those who trust in him are blessed forever. He is going to wipe away every tear from every eye. There's going to be no more sin, no more effects of sin, just joy with God forever. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. That's our hope. Our hope is in Jesus. And he's, he is faithful. He's going to keep his promises. So we hold fast to that. Here's, a, here's just a, a wonderful little question for, for that, I'm, that I have to ask myself whenever I'm struggling, that you should ask yourself whenever you're struggling, whenever you're angry or afraid or exhausted, or whenever you're growing weary in doing good, or whenever you're seriously doubting whether following Jesus is even worth it. There's, there's areas of our life where we're just like, I know the right thing to do, I know what I should do, but nobody else in my life thinks it's worth it. And I don't, I, I'm having a hard time knowing that it's worth it. This is, I feel like I should just give up, at least in this one area. Following Jesus is just, it doesn't make any sense, I'm kind of done. When we're struggling... Wonderful little question. Just four words. Here's the question. Can Jesus be trusted? Can Jesus be trusted? You you, you really want to look at pornography? You're right on the verge of losing your temper? You you, want to just kind of give up on someone and just turn away from them in bitterness? You want to run away from and hide? Life has got life has got hard. A situation in your life has got hard, so you're just going to kind of back out and just give up on people. That's what you want to do. We all feel these ways. When we're feeling these ways, we ask ourselves: Can Jesus be trusted? Not, are the people in my life always going to do exactly what I want them to do? That's not what we're doing. Not, you know, am I, am I always going to have exactly what I want out of every situation? No, no, the, the question is, can Jesus be trusted? In other words, is Jesus going to keep his promises? You ask that question, then you answer it correctly, and then you hold fast the confession of your hope. That's our second exhortation. Since we have Jesus, let's hold fast the confession of our hope. Now on to our final exhortation. Our final exhortation. Number three, since we have Jesus, let's consider how to stir up one another. Since we have Jesus, let's consider how to stir up one another. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's consider how to stir up one another. That word that gets translated stir up, actually, the, I liked the Rick read from the King James. I like that because it said provoke. The word is very close to the word irritate. 
Uh, this is one of the very few times in the Bible that it gets used positively. We're going to irritate someone towards love and good works. We're going to provoke them towards love and good works. I wish it was just irritate. Because um, I have a feeling I could do that. Um, I've had years of practice. I remember um, when I was in middle school, and we, you and I have talked about middle school, Steve, and he was a treasure. He was loved by all. Um, maybe not all, but there was... Anyhow, I remember my, my sister was in college, and uh, she, um, her, her boyfriend came and visited us for uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas. I think it was Christmas. He came and visited us. And, and it was a different boyfriend than the, than the previous year's edition, um, which I found interesting. Um, a different guy had come and visited us last year. And so I thought it would be good and edifying to just compare the two. Um, <laughs> and like, this is a good... <laughs> This is a good way to spend our family gathering. Let's just do a pros and cons list. Um, yeah, let's just compare the qualities of this year's guy versus that last year's guy. Um, some of my siblings really liked, the, liked it. My sister, I stirred her up. Not to love and good works. Um, I, I, I stirred her up to whatever the opposite of that is. I'm irritating. If I just had to be irritating, I could probably kind of do this without the help of God or his word. Um, but we are called to stir up one another to love and good works, and that's where it gets difficult. And so what I want to do is I want to um, what I want to do is I want to remind you now because Here's what's essential. I want to remind you of the first two exhortations. Like, if we're going to have this one, the, the author of Hebrews puts them together for a reason, right? We, we have to have these first couple of things if we're going to have any chance at the third thing. You have to have the first two in order to have the third one. Because, because here's the thing. Just, just think about, um, you know, think about the, the, the exhortation to draw near to God with a, with a true heart. To be a wholehearted follower of Jesus. Worshipper of God. Right? And think about holding fast to your confession. Confession of your hope. And then think about the, the people that God has placed in your life. The people that you are to stir up to, to, to love and good works. The, the people you you go to church with, the people in your friend group, the people in your family, here's what they need from you. Your, your corner of the world needs you to be true-hearted, whole-hearted. We need people of conviction. We need people who are just so committed to living according to the Word of God, to honoring God with their lives, to, to living for the glory of God. They're just so committed that they're almost, it's almost predictable. They, you, you, you kind of know how they're going to respond in certain situations. You kind of know, you, you know that what they're going to do is, is just try to figure out what the Bible has to say and then do it. Figure out what would bring honor to God and then do it. They're just, they're, they're predictable. Because they're because they're 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 convictional people. They're just wholeheartedly committed to this. You, your corner of the world doesn't need more half-hearted people. 
We, we live in a world where nobody knows where anyone stands because as far as they can tell, nobody's wholeheartedly committed to anything. People who are, people who are all in on something stand out and look ridiculous. It's fine. Your, your people don't need another half-hearted person. They need you to be all in on following Jesus. They need you to be all in on, on obeying the Word of God for the glory of God. We, we cannot stir up one another to love and good works if we ourselves are not stirred up to love and good works. So, so we need to be wholehearted people. And then, and then we also need to be people who are holding fast. If we're, if we're going to stir up one another to love and good works, we need to be holding fast to the confession of our hope. We, we need to just be people who believe, yes, Jesus is going to make all things new. Jesus is going to come. He's going to rescue us. He is going to bless those who trust Him. He's going to bless them forever. Eternity with God is going to be really, really good. And it's going to happen. Because Jesus can be trusted. We need to be thoroughly convinced of that. Because if we're not living as if that's true, we'll be of no use to the people around us. Our, our family and friends don't need yet another person who's living like this world is all there is. We have enough of that. My family doesn't need another person. They, they don't, they, my, my kids don't need a dad who is living as if this world is all there is. As if Jesus cannot be trusted. As if Jesus will not keep His promises. They, they don't need a, a, a dad who's not wholeheartedly committed to honoring God. Who kind of just like figures it out as he goes along and if it gets difficult, he fades out. They don't need that. They need someone, they, they need to be able to predict. They need to be able to predict how I'm going to how I'm going to react, how I'm going to respond, how I'm going to use my time and my money. Am I, going to, am I going to get it perfect? No. No. We don't need data points on that. I'm not going to get perfect. But that is going to be the, the obvious, committed trajectory of my life. That's what my people need. That's what your people need. But we have no use to the people around us. If we're not drawing near to God with a true heart, and if we're not holding fast to the confession of our hope, so but, but if we have those pieces in place, if we're pursuing those in our private life, then our public life will be, will be much more like filled with stirring one another up to love and good works. Our verses say, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I, this is one of those um, uh, verses, or one of those little sections of Scripture that's just very familiar to me. I just heard it a lot. Um, uh, and I think you probably have as well. But it's one of those things that I, I'm not always as quick as I should be, or as, as observant as I should be, but I think this week is the first time I really started to think about the fact that it says to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That this, that this starts with intentional thinking. Like, are we thinking about other people? When you're not gathered on Sunday morning with your church family, are you thinking about them? Are you praying for them? 
Are, are you thinking, uh, you know what? I saw that this, I just had a, I had a, I had a beautiful conversation with a lady um, this morning. And she just said, I saw this person was struggling in this way. How can I be a blessing to them? And I said, I don't know. And so, because that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of wisdom I bring. That's just pastor. Years of pastoral experience went into that. I don't know. Um, but I said, that's a really good question. I like, I like what you're, <laughs> I like that you're thinking about it. Let's figure it out. Let's figure out a way that you can be an encouragement to this person. You see that they're struggling. You want to come alongside them and encourage them. Absolutely. Are we thinking about that? Thinking about that. You see your brother or sister is going through it. They're struggling. You see that couple, has a, has, they, they're just weighed down with the cares of life. We're thinking about people. We're considering. How can I come alongside them? Let them know that I'm praying for them and how can I come alongside them and encourage them to keep going? Irritate them towards love and good works. What's a huge part of that? Verse 24, not neglecting to meet together. Let's go to church. Let's, let's come to church. Why do we do this? Why do, we, why do we faithfully attend church? Why do we faithfully gather as a church family every Sunday? Why is this a big deal to us? There's lots of good reasons, and, but only one is mentioned here. So we're only going to focus on just the one here. It's to, it's to stir up your brothers and sisters. It's to encourage your brothers and sisters to keep going, to stay faithful, to love God, to, to commit themselves to Him, to love their neighbors. You're, you're not here only for yourself. I, I do hope that, when, that, that you are on an individual sort of level blessed by gathering with your church family. I pray that the, 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 our, our worship services, that, that they are a help to you, they're encouragement to you, and that they are a blessing to you personally. And that is a part of the reason why we come. But that's not the only reason you're here. It's not the only reason you're here. You're here to encourage your brothers and sisters so we, we must not neglect to meet together. We must be faithful to meet together. And I think, I think in a couple of uh, uh, verses we're going to see the reason some people were, were not meeting is because they were fearful for their lives. They were, they were fearful of persecution. They, were, they, they knew that if they gathered together in a public way, something bad was probably going to happen to them. But the author of Hebrews is saying it doesn't matter. You've got to gather together anyhow because you need each other. We need, to be, we need to be stirring one another up. It's a, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Um, think about this with me for a second, and I'm done. Think about this. It... If we are in Christ this morning, those of us who are in Christ, we we have Jesus. And Hebrews has told us, here's what you have if you have Jesus. And it's a lot. We We have all that we will ever need in Christ. We have forgiveness of sins. We have, a, we have an interceding high priest. We have a, a king who is reigning over all things and is going to come and get us. 
We have a, a God who should, should be judging us according to our sins. Instead, because, because we've been forgiven, completely forgiven by Jesus, and because we've been completely washed clean by His sacrifice, God no longer remembers our sins. In Christ, we have been given so much. The King of Kings has shed His blood to bring us in. And so, is there a, uh, is, is there a greater like, privilege than to be able to serve Him in this way? To, to be able to, to, to know... Like yesterday, I, um, we had the men's prayer breakfast and I sat at, um, at our table... My boys were there, um, uh, and then um, a couple other, and three other guys were there. Two of them were quite a bit younger than me, and one was way older than me. And um, and it was good, and to hear all three of those men pray for each other. We shared prayer requests, and then just hearing them pray for each other, and then hearing them encourage each other afterwards, like. I was, I was stirred up to love and good works. Like, like the risen Savior, the, the King of Kings who shed His blood used those three men to, to help me keep going. Like, is there a greater privilege than that? That we get to, that we get to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the lives of His people? This is His grace to us. This is a privilege. So, so let's, be, let's be part of this. More and more and more. Let's draw near to God with a true heart. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope. And let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We're going to pray and then, and then Mark is going to come and, and lead us in communion. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Son. We thank You for all that we have because of His obedience, because of His his incarnation, His perfect life, His sacrificial death, His glorious resurrection, His his exaltation, His his intercession, and because of His his coming. We thank You for all that we have because of because of the Gospel. Because of the good news of Jesus Christ. So we pray, God, that because of that, that You would help us, um, you, would, you would help us to follow these commands, to follow these exhortations. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.